I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to another episode of My Big Break the latest podcast series from Motorsport that speaks to key figures in Formula One and aims to uncover some of the significant moments that put them on the path to where they are today. I'm your host, Chris Medland, and in this episode, I'm joined by Haas team principal Gunter Steiner to discuss his history prior to F1, his brief spell at Jaguar and Red Bull, move to the United States, and his dream to create his own American F1 team. He did it, of course, but the journey to get there is a fascinating one. Gunther, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we're looking for the big breaks in your career, the moments that really changed direction for it, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but that maybe was an unexpected reroute uh, that's brought you to where you are today. Now, you had such a, a successful time in the World Rally Championship. Um, rally was kind of your bread and butter for a long time. And then Jaguar came calling to bring you across to F1. Now, that was the start of a pretty, uh, I guess, up and down journey with Formula One until you, you joined us. So what happened there in terms of why did someone come and look at a rally head and go, this is going to work in Formula One? I mean, uh, I don't really know and we cannot ask Nicky anymore because unfortunately uh, he has left us. But uh, uh, I, I think the story uh, was Nicky when he took over Jaguar. And I don't know how long he was there, actually. Uh, he was looking for people because he saw... Uh, he had a, a big job to do, and uh, Jaguar at the time was owned by Ford, and I worked for M Sport, which was uh, commissioned to do the rally car for Ford. Was the Ford Works team, so uh, the, uh, their motorsport manager, uh, Tyrone Johnson, is his name. He's uh, he's still around, you know, and he's uh, still a friend of mine. He gave uh, Nicky my name, and uh, uh, I think his secretary called me up one day and said, "Mr. Lauda wanted to speak. Want, would like to speak with you." I said. Sure, I mean, I, I have I never met Nicky before in my life, but obviously I know who he was because he was, when I was a child, I watched him uh, uh, racing, you know, and for, for me it was an honour. I said, sure, uh, any time, you know, and then uh, he called me directly and uh, asked me if I was available uh, to have a chat with him. I said, uh, I mean, sure, uh, and he said, uh, are you by any chance coming to, to Vienna? And uh, it, it, it just as it happens, I had to be in, uh, in Austria uh, two weeks after, because uh, we were doing the Austrian ch- uh, Championship uh, with, with a fourth focus, so I was there in Vienna, and uh, we went for dinner. We had uh, quite a long dinner, uh, in Nicky terms, two hours for him. That was, uh, normally, uh, dinner is half an hour, or was half an hour. So we had two hours, and uh, the next day, eight in the morning, he called me up and said, uh, thank you for your time yesterday. Uh, you will be working for me. I said, uh, uh, may I ask you what what, what I'm going to do for you, you know? <laughs> I said, oh, I, I still need to find that one out. That was Nicky, you know? That was how he acted. And uh, uh, I think that was around, uh, in springtime, around Easter. And then uh, I had to, and then we, we kept on talking, and then he spoke with Ford management, obviously, for me for, for me moving from Ford Rally to, to Jaguar F1 team. 
and uh, they wanted that I finish off the, the car of, the, of that year, the homologation. Uh, and uh, I, I, then I joined the year after. Uh, in January, I think it was, I joined uh, uh, after the season was over and rallying. So it was Nicky's call to bring you in. Oh, it sounds like all his call. Um, and was that whole dinner meeting then just about him getting the workout, if he liked you as a person, if, he's, if you were someone you could get on with? I, I would think so. Uh, 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 we spoke about a lot of things, you know, and uh, uh, and uh, I think he, he just wanted to see, because at the time uh, there was not a clear picture in his mind uh, uh, where he wants me, because uh, they, they needed people at Coswell, because Coswell was, was part of uh, of the Premier Automotive Group, and uh, he needed people there, and then uh, at some stage, and I don't, I don't remember exactly, during the year then it, it was decided that... Uh, uh, Bobby Rail was leaving, and then he said, hey, you come with me along uh, to run the F1 team. So I said, okay, then. I mean, it's, it's a nice offer to have, especially from a legend like Nicky, but but it didn't seem to work out quite the way you probably hoped. Like, how was it in Jaguar, and why, why maybe didn't it click for you? Uh, I, I think a big corporate taking over a race team, especially at the times, uh, uh, it, it, it was very difficult. Uh, th- there was no real understanding. Everybody thought it, uh, this is easy, uh, uh, to do to uh, to go Formula One racing, and I think when Nicky came there, a lot of damage was already done, uh, uh, and he uh, he would need to, or, or we would have needed a, a year or two more to fix it. I, I think to be honest, we were on a good way, but we were not given any more times because uh, obviously the, the, there was uh, different agendas within the company. Uh, what what should happen? What shouldn't happen? And, uh, uh, I would say Nicky didn't fit the picture anymore, uh, the, the good old racer, you know, running a race team, it was more like we need to get corporate, we need, uh, uh, you know, which it's it's more than one way that you can do this, but uh, uh, I think we were on a good way, and then Nicky, uh, they let Nicky go, end of the, uh, of the first season, and obviously, uh, I, I didn't want to stay around, to be honest, without him, I, had, um, my, my, uh, I was loyal to him, we had a good time. I think uh, we knew where we were wanted to go and we were going. And then it, it worked out that I left as well or was left or we decided that I'm leaving. But then the team became Red Bull um, a few years later uh, and you're brought back into sort of, in a sense, I guess, continue the job you'd started what would have been four, five years before. So d- did it feel that way? And were you surprised to get the call from essentially the same team when it was under new ownership to, to come back? Uh, actually, it was I think two years later because the the, the 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 people which took over they ran it into the ground. I mean, Ford had no interest anymore to keep the F1 team going because it it wasn't uh, what was promised. You know, uh, the plan didn't work out, and uh, they said, "Oh, we get back and be, you know, in the top three within twelve months." And in you know, and, and uh, these are things that they are gone. Uh, no, I I I knew Mr. Mateschitz from before from the rally program in Austria. So I wasn't uh, completely surprised uh, that they called me, but uh, it was a good surprise at the time. And uh, uh, at the time, I was working for Opel in DTM. Uh, I had a contract with Opel. It was negotiated that that I can get out of the contract. The contract was actually with GM because I wasn't employed. I was a a contractor. So I I got out of it and started uh, at Red Bull, yeah. For that, though, there's... That, there was quite a lot of hopping around, I guess, from the moment you left Rally, then you were into F1, then you said DTM, and then you're back at F1. Like, where, where was your passion at that point? Was it just all motorsport, or did you actually have a goal in mind that you, you wanted to crack F1? Uh, 
no, not really. I mean, I was pretty happy. I was, uh, uh, I was in, for me, it wasn't a bad time. I think it's uh, this hopping around would, uh, 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 I would say, weaken you. I, I didn't really, you know, it didn't do anything to me. I quite liked, I mean, I went to DTM and I enjoyed uh, the experience, to be honest, you know. Uh, before Red Bull called, I had no intention to leave. Uh, it's just like then the offer came and I said, hey, and uh, uh, I was still living in the UK. I like to live there. And I was commuting to Germany, actually. You know, it's very strange because uh, the, the DTM team was only um, two and a half hours drive from my hometown, but I stayed living in the UK. So for, for me, it was like, okay, uh, I, I, I can go back to uh, home uh, to stay wi wi with my family all the time. And, and that's what the decision was taking. But the hopping around was not disturbing me at all. You know, it was more like, okay, uh, always I saw it as a new opportu opportunity, you know, to do something different again. And just how different was it at Red Bull compared to Jaguar? Because it sounds, from the outside at least, that you've got one that was very corporate and, and didn't work, and then you had one that came in completely changing the landscape and kind of disrupting uh, Formula One with their approach of, of having a lot of fun, like the image that the team wanted to have. And, and was it the same behind the scenes working? Or, or could is that not possible when you're trying to be successful on track? No, it, it, it cannot be like you see it from outside. You still need to work hard. It wasn't it wasn't all fun, you know. It wasn't all fun. It was hard work as well. But uh, it's. I was away two years, and when I came back, actually, uh, as a structure, not a lot changed how we left at Nikki and myself. It, it was very weird, you know. It was like oh, there have two years gone by. There was not a lot of progress made, you know. I, I was quite uh, surprised about that one. H how little was actually changed, what we put in place, you know, and and. Uh, uh, I mean, the corporate culture obviously was another one, and uh, Red Bull was, uh, Mr. Matashitz was adamant to invest and, and to go forward, not just uh, 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 sit back and, and see, uh, look at the old days. And did that help, though, in you being able to kind of continue? Like you said, you and Nicky needed maybe one or two more years. Did, did it feel like you were continuing from almost where you'd left off when you left the team? It's, it's very difficult to say because it's also very, uh, very strange when you get back to a company after, uh, after that you have been away two years with complete different uh, uh, ownership. It, it, it was like something I never experienced, you know, because you don't go into, you go into a new place, but it's not completely new. It, it's, uh, it's somehow just different, but some of the things are like, this was yesterday and now there's a complete different future. So it, 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 I would say almost a little bit confusing at times. So we're looking in this podcast for like a big break moment. And you obviously got a lot of experience from that Red Bull time. I mean, big budget, a lot of people to work with. Was it the biggest company you'd have kind of worked or, you know, team that you'd have looked after at that point? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, because uh, uh, at the time it was already quite a big team uh, as Jaguar, not one of the biggest one in Formula One, but then Red Bull came in and, and it was growing very quick. But then the flip side was you were then... I'd say sent, I don't know if it was a choice, but you went to America to set up the NASCAR Cup Series team, which I imagine was A, a lot smaller, even if it's still big money, but B, very different. Like, how did that come about? Because that's, like you say, you were happy in the UK, you you'd kind of hopped around things in Europe, and then suddenly you're off to America. I would say at Red Bull, because there was so much change going on, uh, uh, I think there was, uh, f for me, it was like, I, I don't know if this is my future or not, and then my relationship with Mr. Mateschitz was uh, pretty good, you know, and, and then uh, at some stage, uh, he asked me, have, have you got any interest uh, to, uh, to move to the States to look after the NASCAR team, which we, which we will open? And uh, I was like, I don't know, as you said, I was pretty uh, happy. But then when I was young, uh, I would say I always had uh, not a dream, uh, you know, 
I, I would like to go to the US, and uh, obviously it's very difficult for a European to go to the US, especially for with the, uh, to having a good job there, you know. So you would need to start uh, f- from 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 the bottom again. So I, I was like, well, the US would interest me, and I didn't know anything about NASCAR or not anything. I, I knew a few. I mean, who who they uh, they learn hard was I, I know a, a few names, but I, I don't. I didn't know anything technically or how the series works. So. Uh, I was like, I don't know if NASCAR is the right thing, and I had no idea where Charlotte was, to be honest, when we first spoke about, you know. So uh, it was one of these things. So I, I said, but uh, the challenge of the U.S., uh, pretty nice, you know. So I, I went to speak with my wife, and we spoke about and we said, hey, uh, let's do it. We are still young enough to do this, you know, uh, if you like it. We stay there a few years, and if not, we, we come back. There's always something to do. And uh, off we went. From an F1 perspective, did it feel like you were leaving the sport, though, at that point, to, to go to America? Because the links weren't so tight, were they, at that stage between the US and, and F1? I, I never felt that I'm leaving anything. You know, I, I just change. You know, it's, a, it's a because uh, even if if you change job, I, I didn't think, oh, uh, this is gone now. I still had my, my friends in F1. I, I went to a few races after, uh, even after I, I moved to, to the US. Uh, my friendship with, with Nicky was pretty 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 big you know so we always were in contact so I, I never even in rallying I still have uh, friends which work in rallying you, you know I'm still involved uh, uh, I mean obviously I, uh, I don't know a lot of people in DTM anymore but that has changed so much as a as a race series that there's not many of the old people around anymore anyway so no I, I didn't feel like I'm leaving something I was up to hey what what are I going to do next uh, uh, let's enjoy this experience well, I'd suggest as well, from the outside, looking at the way your career went, that that was a, a big turning point for you because it's you, you still live in America. Um, you obviously run a, an American team, as we call it, in Formula One. And you had two good years with the Red Bull team. And then when you left, you stayed in Mooresville, in North Carolina. So what was so attractive about staying in that region? Because I guess at that point, you maybe at that stage didn't have anything else keeping you there. At that point, you could have gone anywhere again. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it was uh, when I, I was with the NASCAR team about two years, uh, and, and and then uh, when that was over, I was like, "What do they do next?" I had job offers to come back to uh, uh, to Europe, qu- quite nice ones, and I was like, ah, "I'm not really, I'm not, uh, I'm not finished with America yet." You know, it was only there two years, and uh, I liked the, I liked the country, I liked the, uh, my, my personal life there. My, my my wife liked it, you know. So I said, "What else could I do?" and uh, I had another dream, you know, always when I was younger, to, to have my own business. And I never had the time because I always had good jobs. And then you, n- you don't want to, uh, uh, to to stop working a good job, to do something, take a risk to doing your own business. Now, with hindsight, I should have done earlier, to be honest. But anyway, uh, uh, hindsight is a wonderful thing. So uh, I, I was just uh, thinking a little bit about uh, what, what, what uh, I could do there. And I, I got to know a lot of people. I, I, I knew my way around in American racing at that time. And I saw an opportunity for composites there, which was, I wouldn't say underdeveloped, but it was uh, nowhere near the level technically as it was in Europe at that time. You know, so I said, hey, uh, m- maybe open a composite factor uh, company would be a, a good idea to, to have something on my own. You know, and uh, it, it isn't on my own. I've got it with a business partner, my company Fiberworks. We opened it uh, in 2009, uh, and uh, we opened it together, Joe Hoffman. And he runs it now because obviously I have no time to run it. But we opened it in the first five years. I worked hard at it to, to bring it off the ground, you know. So uh, the company is, is running very well, to be honest. You know, I'm very uh, uh, satisfied with how it is going. 
and uh, that, that was the reason uh, to, to stay there. I wanted to have something on my own. And in the beginning, obviously, anything when you do it on your own is, is more difficult uh, because, uh, I mean, you, you need to manage a lot of things which I uh, hadn't done before, but uh, it, it is pretty good. Yeah, on that front then, do you think that actually taught you a lot as well in terms of the role you've then gone on to do with Haas, building a team up from the ground, basically? Like, you built a company up from the ground and you had to find ways of making that survive. Do you think it helped teach you a lot of skills that you've then used in the years since? Uh, absolutely. And all these new experiences, they, they help you. I mean, they're, they're not sweet to make these experiences, but once you have done it once, you know a lot more. And once you have done it twice, you know, you, you know even more. So it's just like... Uh, to having been able to do that, then it, it, it didn't help me only with learning how to set the company up. It, it taught me also how uh, uh, the culture in America works. It, it is completely different because a lot of times uh, if you come from uh, Formula One, from Europe to America, you think you know it all. Uh, and I would say America is different, you know. It's, it's not bad or worse. It's just different and you need to adapt to the culture which is, uh, which is there. We cannot change a culture and Neither would I like to or do I want to change a culture. We need to adapt and get the good things uh, uh, we, we have and bring it in and, and advance uh, uh, things uh, in life. Uh, you know, and uh, for sure, setting up my own company helped a lot. Once I was out there to find an investor for an F1 team in, in the US. Well, that's what I was going to move on to. I mean, the fact that you'd uh, had such experience with F1 already and with WRC and the DTM, I'm sure people were still coming to you with job offers and, and trying to get you to come and work for them. Were any of them tempting, interesting, before you started on the Haas project? Were you nearly pulled away from your own business? No, uh, I, I, I was quite adamant because I like to have my own business because you can make your own decisions. So uh, uh, for, for me, a challenge to set something up uh, was actually that what I wanted to do, you know, and then... Uh, uh, I wouldn't say I set up companies, but uh, I helped to, uh, to, to, to grow companies before in rallying. Uh, uh, I set up the NASCAR team. I, I did a lot of that stuff, uh, that stuff. I set up my own company. And then I said, why? And the ultimate challenge is to set up an F1 team. At some stage, you need to say, what bigger challenge can I have than this one? Oh, try to make an F1 team. And I had no pressure because I was doing okay, you know. I was doing well. I was happy. I had no pressure. And that's a nice position to be in. And that's why I wanted always my business. So the pressure isn't there to find a job because you've got a job, you know, because it's yours. Uh, so so uh, and, and, and that challenged me and said, hey, uh, uh, this idea came along when I saw uh, in, I think it was 2000 eight when the big teams left and the, the small teams came along and there was the talk about customer cars and obviously F1, I wouldn't say struggling, but they weren't at their strongest point and then uh, challenges give opportunities and, uh, and uh, uh, as I said, I've got a lot of friends in, in, in the industry and uh, a lot of friends which believed that I could do a job and uh, one of them is Stefano Dominicali and I spoke with him quite a lot at that time, you know, about when they were contemplating to have a third car to, to make up the numbers or customer cars. And I spoke with him, hey, if a car comes available, if I find the, the money to run it, would it be possible that we run it out of the States? You know, with the, and uh, uh, I mean, Stefano saw uh, as well the opportunity for them and, and we kept in touch and, and that for uh, the, the plan developed more and more. And I got in touch, uh, I, I contacted quite a few people with the business plan and then I got in touch with Gene and uh, uh, we spoke quite a long time, and I always updated him with the movements, the political movements where it's going. And then, at some stage, he wanted to do an F1 team. Well, before we get on to how that then clicked and was successful, at that same period, we had USF1 trying to come in. Were you, 
in talks with them at all or did you have anything to do with that because you'd have been well placed for it uh, uh i i know the people i mean uh, uh i and, and i got to know about it very uh strangely i mean i was in a coffee shop and peter windsor comes in you know <laughs> in a coffee shop in north carolina and, and he then uh, first uh, he, he didn't tell me what it was and I, I couldn't really i didn't really care you know but uh, uh, then he told me and i was in touch with them my company did some work for USF one at the time and and uh, then i had a lot of of people from europe Bernie Eccleston, one of them calling me up to ask me what's going on. And I said, Bernie, I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not involved on a day-to-day basis. I mean, uh, you know, I speak with, uh, uh, with, with Ken and uh, obviously they're down the road. They were down the road for my, for my company, maybe 15 minutes, you know, a drive. So uh, I knew roughly what was going on. We were doing some work, but the, 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 the idea actually came from there because uh, the idea they had was, was, uh, was good, you know, to have an, a, 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 a US-based F1 team because... It was needed, you know, and, and somehow out of that one, out of their failure, I created my idea to do it a little bit different. Yeah, I was going to say, did you look at how they failed, essentially, and go, okay, I wouldn't have done it this way. Like, you've missed an opportunity here, but I'm, I'm going to take it and run and, and kind of work on it. Yeah, and I wanted to make sure that uh, if something happened, it is financed properly, because I, don't, I knew that Formula One, you cannot do on a shoestring. You know, it, it needs to have the right investment and the right people behind it, which believe in it and have got the financial means to do it. So before you met Gene to really get it off the ground or really you know, convinced him or he he bought in, how close did you come with other people? And how frustrating was it to, you must have had this vision for an F1 team that you knew would work, but other people maybe didn't quite buy into it for a while? No, but, but, but that is if you out something, you, uh, you, you need to expect that. There was no guarantee. And I had no desperation because I was okay. You know, and that helps because you stay calm. Uh, uh, you're not overselling or not trying to oversell. You stay, uh, I, I just uh, always updated the business plan with the change of the landscape, the political landscape in F1, but never try to push people hard. If they if they passed on it, that's fine. I mean, you need to respect that, you know. And, uh, and a lot of people were very respectful to, to listen, but then they decided against it because they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to take the risk. So, uh, uh, but it was not frustrating because... There, there, there was no need to be frustrated because I didn't I didn't need this desperately, you know. Uh, it, I wanted to do either it's done right or I'm not going to do it, you know, because it's no point to do something which you know you struggle from day one. So I always thought that the reason the team came into F1 at the time it did was because of new regulations in 2014, seeing how they went, kind of as in, you know, then having the time to respond to those with the final car for 15 and then you delayed 16 because things were late. But was it more because... You just weren't in a rush and you weren't going to basically hit a deadline because you'd set it and you were happy to wait even longer if you needed to. Absolutely. And we didn't come in in 15 because we started in 14. Because a lot of people were pushing, oh, you're in Formula One, you need to come in immediately. And, and uh, it was like uh, in the beginning we wanted to do that. But then after a while we realized, why should we push ourselves to do something and then uh, uh, start on our back foot, you know, just to recover? Let's take the year to, uh, uh, to set up everything as good as we can, you know, uh, uh, work out ideas, and thanks God we did that. Uh, uh, because otherwise, I do not think that we would still be around because it was t- too big of a challenge, you know. In that year, we did a lot and changed a lot of our plans. We, we found a lot of good partnerships. We found a lot of good ideas how to, to do things differently than the, 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 the normal F1 team. So I think that was, uh, that, that, that was one of the good things we did. We said we take our time to come there. We, we were in no rush to get there. And uh, uh, 
even if you were pushed from left, right, and center, oh, you need to come in in 15. Uh, no, not really, you know. Uh, we have got a license. We, we, we can do it properly in 16. And I think it was the right choice. And how much was it uh, kind of easier because financially you were well-backed by the way you'd set things up and with Gene, like, you didn't have to rush it through and start trying to get sponsors on the cards, that sort of thing. Was that a, a big help? Absolutely, uh, absolutely, because I could focus completely on setting up the company and the team to set up everything. That, uh, uh, that There was a few elements in here which were very good, and that, that is the reason why we are still around, in my opinion, because in the beginning we took time, we had the, we had the finances, uh, uh, Gene did everything he said he was going to do. Uh, he didn't uh, miss a beat, you know. He wanted to do this, and he was always available, but uh, uh, he, he was very supportive uh, in what we were doing. Well, let's talk a bit about Gene then, because I guess without him, the team certainly wouldn't be called Haas, but um, yeah, probably wouldn't <laughs> exist in this way as well. So um, how did you first kind of meet him and, and start to tell him the idea? Was it that you were looking for people and went seeking him out, or, or was it just like a chance meeting and eventually you thought, I should let him know about this? No, I, I was looking for people, and then uh, uh, I got uh, to know Joe Custer, which is running the NASCAR team when I was in NASCAR, and I hadn't seen Joe uh, maybe for two years, and I ran into him somewhere, and, uh, you know, we said hello, and uh, just exchanged pleasantries, and then I thought, I could have asked Joe, Joe, Joe if uh, uh, maybe Gene Haas is interested, because I didn't know Gene from NASCAR, because Gene is n- uh, not uh, a lot present, you know, so uh, I called Joe up and said, hey, I've got an F1 uh, business plan, do you think uh, Gene would be interested to see it, or would you would you want to have a look at it uh, and to present it to Gene? So I met with Joe actually in a, in a coffee shop again. It's not the same one, you know, another one, and uh, I gave him the presentation, and we talked it through, and he said, um, I take it to Gene. I don't know what he will answer. It will be his decision, and uh, uh, I will let you know. So I gave everything to him, and uh, maybe a month later, Joe called me up and said, hey, Gene Haas is in town because the Charlotte race was... Uh, happening in uh, uh, in Charlotte, do you want to have dinner with us and, and talk Gene through until he gets to know you? Because he may be interested. Don't take it as he's interested. Just uh, and, and there it started, you know. And then I met Gene and uh, we kept in touch. We spoke in the beginning maybe once every three, four weeks and then every two weeks and then every week. And then he got more and more interested. But we talked about the, uh, the project uh, more than a year. I would say one and a half year. At some stage he said, okay, I want to do this, you know, when, once he was convinced uh, that I could pull it off and that the, 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 the background was good enough. Obviously, we met with a lot of people in between and I, I, I came with him to Austin and nobody uh, recognized him and uh, we, we met with Bernie and, and uh, uh, the, the whole thing and, and we kept it very, uh, very I wouldn't say secret, but we, we kept a low profile, a very low profile, you know, uh, because we didn't want to go out there and this is what we are doing because then it doesn't happen. So, uh, and uh, at, at some stage he said, let's go and do it. And then he said, how are you going to get the license? I said, I don't know yet, but I will get one, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite a big thing you need for everyone. Exactly, yeah, like, that's a good start. <laughs> he was like, yeah, how, how do you get our license, Gunther? I said, uh, I don't know yet, but don't worry, I get one, you know. And so, so we did. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So when you took him to Austin, what year would that have been? 2013? Yeah. For sure we were there. Yeah, 13 we were there. Yeah, yeah, 13 we were for sure there. And I think we came back in 14 as well. Yeah, but 13, 13 I think it was... Uh, it was his first F1 race he, he came to. And were you trying to sell it to him at that point still? Trying to really show him Yeah, what exactly. Yeah, uh, introduce him to a few people, uh, you know, uh, just show him around to see what, uh, what is around. And at, at that stage, though, how long have you been talking to him? Uh, like, in terms of how long did it really take for him to push the button between your first meeting and, and going ahead with it? I would need to go back to my notes and, <laughs> and all the plans, but I, I would say... Uh, more than a year, not I would say, for sure more than a year, for sure more than a year. So I would say uh, we started in 12. So for that though, were you doing work, physical work with the project? Were you getting like a, trying to get a base or anything like that? Or no, not at people? the time. No, uh, 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 we, we started when uh, when Gene made a commitment. So you, you had basically it all planned out on paper, but you hadn't been able to actually actively go ahead with anything at that stage. Correct, yeah. Everything was on paper. Everything was, uh, uh, you know, we had the, a commitment from Ferrari that they would just give us engine, all that stuff, but we had not put uh, anything in place. And uh, when we started uh, to get the license, we actually had started already on the building because uh, once Gene decided he wants to do it, the first thing uh, he did, because he had uh, some land uh, uh, just beside the, the, the NASCAR team, and he started to build. So the FIA could see that we are putting uh, uh, buildings up and that we are actually doing some work. That must have been pretty nerve-wracking, though, because if you didn't have a license yet and you're saying when we need to start committing money and effort and time and resource to building the team to convince them to give us a license, if you didn't get it, what a waste that would have been. Like, How nervy was that? Because were you convinced you were always going to get the license or did you no, worry it, about it at all? It's called confidence. <laughs> <laughs> it's called confidence, you know. I mean, I, I, I didn't see why would we not get the license. There was... I mean, a, a businessman like Gene, he can afford it, you know. Uh, he has got, uh, he wants to do it. I, I got the vibe from him. This is what I want to do. I was confident I can do the rest of it. The, I, I never had a doubt about that one not to get a license because there was no reason because I saw people getting licenses which were nowhere even near us in, in uh, capabilities, financially, uh, uh, experience-wise, you know. So that, that for, uh, and, and obviously, it wasn't my money Gene put there, it was his, but he must have had the same confidence in me that I can, that, that we can get it done, you know? So, and, and that's where we started. Did, did you have some of your own money in, though, based on how com- how well your own company was doing, or was it all Gene's? It, it was all Gene's, no, no. The money for the F1 team is all Gene's, it's not my one. I cannot afford an F1 team. <laughs> well, I was going to say then, was that an, a sign of uh, confidence in the sense that you were happy to take that on, or was that added pressure? Because you'd gone from it being your own money and your own your own company to someone else putting it up and you're working for them in a sense. But, but in these things, I, I, I take that uh, responsibility very, uh, very seriously. So if I say something, I normally get it done, you know. So uh, I, I was handling uh, uh, 
jeans money like it would be my one. I never wasted anything. And uh, obviously, I must have convinced him that we can get the license uh, because otherwise he wouldn't have done it. I mean, uh, uh, he didn't get where he is if he wouldn't have made the right decisions. So uh, I, I, I don't... It wasn't, wasn't even discussed. Once we decided, once he decided... I want to do an F1 team, has F1. I want to establish a team. There was not nothing holding him back, you know. There was never any, oh, we shouldn't do this because we never know if, if this and that other happens, you know. He was like he was like me, just let's let's do it, you know. If there is an obstacle in the way, just let's get around it, over it, under it, around it, whatever we need to do, we get it done. There must have been a lot of obstacles in the way, though, between the two of you agreeing, let's go ahead with this, and turning up in the in Melbourne on the grid in 2016, like that's that's a big old journey you have to do to build a team. Like how how challenging were some of the moments? I think they were very challenging, but uh, I, I, I say uh, I don't know if I got lucky uh, a little bit. I found good people straight in the beginning, you know, which helped out, which uh, uh, were on the same uh, page wi- uh, with us, you know, uh, to do this. And obviously, I've got a good network of people I, I worked with before, and I called a, a few in uh, as well to help out, you know, so. There, 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 there was just a lot of, and I never had a doubt it will fail. Uh, it, it was, uh, uh, and I don't want to sound overconfident. Obviously, hindsight now you can say it because we made it happen. But it was really a good feeling. Uh, it was a good vibe. I mean, the people coming in, um, there, there, there was never. I mean, there were obstacles, but that, that's the daily, that's the daily job you have to do when you set something up. Uh, if, 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 I mean, if you don't like the heat, don't, don't get in the kitchen. You know, it's like. Uh, it's one of these things where you where you just keep on going. It's an obstacle, okay? You need to find a solution to it, uh, and and uh, I think we always did. Did Gene ever doubt you? Did he ever turn around and go or you know ask for updates or voice concerns, or did he just let you get on with it? I mean, first of all, that that, that, that would be a question for him because <laughs> maybe he wouldn't tell me. But no, but, but, but Gene for sure he saw a lot of of the obstacles we had and and how uh, positively I approached them, and I think he liked that, but. You know, he knew me uh, by then maybe two years. Uh, uh, and it's like, can we really get this done? Because he said, well, this, this is not easy. He realized pretty quick, this is not this is not an easy job. And and I think at some stage, w- once we were established uh, in, in, in 16, he said to me, if I would have known how difficult this is, I would have not taken the risk to do this, you know. But uh, uh, in the end, it happened. So uh, it's all good. Well, yeah, it, it, it ain't good. All good, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, no worries at any yeah, stage. Yeah, still worries. <laughs> I was going to say, was one of them with Ferrari because you mentioned Stefano and the relationship you had with him and talking to him about you know customer cards or whatever. And then in 2014, when you would have committed, he was at that time in charge at Ferrari. But very early in that year, he left. Did that change the landscape at all? Did it make it tricky trying to continue? Uh, no, I wouldn't say. First of all, at that time, we were uh, uh, well respected by Ferrari because we did. There was a lot of teams before us which didn't do what they say we were going to do. We always did what we said we were going to do. And uh, I, I I, didn't only know Stefan at Ferrari. I, 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 I know from before also a lot of people uh, uh, beside, below him, and uh, a lot of people moved around. And, and there was never a doubt about, uh, uh, as you said, there, there was quite a few changes, not only Stefan, and then uh, 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 Marco Mattiacci came in, and then uh, 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 Mr. Montezemolo left. Uh, it, it was, uh, but there was never a doubt in Ferrari. They were always very, very loyal and good with us. They believed in in, in our project. Whoever got there, I established immediately a good relationship with Maurizio Rivabene as well. You know, so there was never. It, it was never. Obviously, it's always work because you, you need to start a new relationship. But it was never too difficult. You know, it was additional work. It's much easier to stay with somebody you know since 
10, 15 years to work with and new people you never worked with. But uh, I, I think because we did an a, a, a honest job, all the people respected us for what we did. You make it sound so easy to select a Formula 1 team, but there must have been like some, some big hurdles, some big challenges. What was, what was the biggest headache you had between, I guess, Gene putting the money in and actually having it complete and cars ready to run? It is easy, you see. It is easy. That's why I think you uh, you, you should start one as well. So you see how easy it is. Do you want to back it? <laughs> I mean, you no. You have to find that one yourself. I, I, but that's I what think, you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think that the biggest hurdle in in doing this is finding somebody like uh, uh, Gene, uh, which believes in the project, which can do it, which wants to do it. That is the biggest hurdle, you know. And then uh, supports you. Uh, uh, I always had his back, you know, uh, because for sure there's a lot of people coming in and saying, oh, I would do this different and why you don't do this like this. He he, he, he stuck, you know, I, if I explained how we are doing it, uh, he was always okay with my plan. Uh, uh, and there is not one big, there is not one big problem. There is a lot of small problems which you just, and I think the biggest thing is to stay positive and, and always keep on working on the small problems because then no big one can come up. You talked about how you always were looking for the next big challenge. Was Formula One and and building your own team always the final challenge in that sense? Or did as soon as you started on it, were you like, okay, this Formula One team needs to be a world championship winning team at some stage? You know, how big were you dreaming with the team? No, first of all, you need to be uh, humble and say, first we set it up because there was a lot of teams which failed at the time. That is, I don't want to have a failure. And that uh, Gene, he didn't want to have a failure and we didn't, you know. And then, uh, obviously, and then you build up on it. Uh, 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 as you well know, we, we got a little bit uh, kicked uh, last or in 2020, yeah, last year, with the pandemic, and we made a step backwards instead of making steps forward. But uh, up to that point, we made good steps forward. We stabilized everything uh, by finishing eight uh, uh, twice and then finishing fifth. And then we made a big step backwards in 2021. Now we have to come up, uh, now we have to go forward again first baby steps and then the big step and uh, what what should help is the budget cap because now uh, uh, the, the, the the playing field is a lot more level than it was a year ago so uh, th th there is the realistic chance that you can get world champion uh, uh, mid to long term before we really look at where the team's going though and maybe what it's been through more recently that, that must have been a real moment of pride for you when you got to Melbourne and you had it all done and, and the cars were out qualifying and the competitive as well. At, at which stage did you sit back and go, yeah, that, that thing I was dreaming of in Mooresville where I was thinking I could build a Formula 1 team, when did it hit home that you'd done it? I think, as you say, in Australia. Because yeah, uh, after the test, uh, I, I, I was quite uh, uh, confident that, that, that we will not be really bad, you know. But I didn't know uh, that we still had to, uh, uh, the race team was very young uh, and so on. So in Australia, I, I think it, it sunk in. It's like, okay, everybody did a good job, you know. Uh, uh, this is something not a lot of people would have expected because it wasn't done for a long time. That's the thing. And, and now, as you said, people forget. Now they think it's all easy. Oh, yeah, it must be easy because how you did that, uh, you came to the first race and, and you scored points. Uh, uh, but then uh, we forget about the four teams which didn't do that, you know. So the majority of teams still didn't didn't have that success. So I, I, I joke about it's easy, but uh, it's not easy. And I wouldn't put it down to myself. I I I, I, I see 
Gene is a big part of it because he believed he didn't he didn't get distracted by all the people uh, which wanted to tell him how to do this, how to do this different. You know, uh, like when we came up with the idea to have the team split up in three countries. Uh, a lot of people called us the stupidest people on earth. You know, this will never work. But you just have to leave people their opinion and uh, not even prove them wrong because I don't need to prove anybody wrong. I just need to do uh, my job, which I plan. And then if it works, they, they will be quiet anyway. Uh, they will have forgotten about what they said, you know. So I'm not going. People can have their opinion. I mean, I, I, f- I feel uh, very comfort- comfortable with that. I mean, I'm, that doesn't disrupt me. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, when in Australia we, we, uh, we got points, it was like, wow. I mean, if you would have told me that when we started two years before that you would score points in Australia, I would have been maybe the one of the first ones not to, not to believe that. I was I was going to ask, and I still will, because I know you just said that you didn't care about what other people thought, but was there nobody in the F1 paddock or even outside it that, that you kind of wanted to see their reaction where you thought, yeah, I've just shown you that I can do this, I can run an F1 team successfully, that, that maybe didn't give you long enough at, say, Jaguar, under Ford, or, or at Red Bull? No, I, I don't really care about what other people think. I mean, that is my... And, and people which know me, you know, I, I don't really care what other people think, you know. I, I, it's like... You're free to have your opinion. Uh, it's fine with me, you know. And and what was the pressure like, though, in terms of, I know it was Gene's money, um, or a, a large chunk of it was, but you were successful yourself as a businessman. I guess if it didn't work out, you still had that to fall back on. Did that help? Did that take the pressure off? Or did you still feel the pressure of of having to build such a big thing? And, and like you said, no guarantee it would work. No, there is still pressure because you want to deliver because everybody's watching you. You know, uh, uh, it's, it's more the emo- emotional pressure, pressure, not the financial one. You know, the financial one uh, uh, with having m- my own company at that time, which was doing pretty well, you know, or, or growing nicely. Uh, I didn't have that pressure, which is nice not to have, to be honest. But there is still a lot of pressure from the public. Lo- everybody looks at you and... Uh, I didn't want to make uh, uh, Gene the failure because there were so many failures, you know, and I would never point the finger at him because he did everything what he said he's going to do for us, you know. So I needed to make sure not to make it a failure so we don't look failures uh, because, you know, when you just work for somebody, you always can wiggle your way out of it, you know. You can always blame something. But uh, uh, for, for me, it was like he trusted me, so I need to pay back that trust and deliver what I promised, you know, and... Uh, that maybe was the biggest pressure, but I, I, I didn't, I don't lose sleep over it, you know, I just work hard at it. But then how much was 2020 almost a step back to the time before the team was running sort of thing? How much did you have to go and find a way of stabilizing again, getting solid foundations, finding more finance sort of thing? How close was it to kind of all ending there? Yeah, it, it was a very tough time because in the beginning of 2020, uh, with, when the pandemic started, uh, Gene uh, and, and the sport was in, in the place that some people spent over half a billion, you know, and uh, it, that didn't make sense anymore for anybody, you know. It was just uh, rising and rising, that cost. Uh, there was no cost cap in place. The pandemic came along. We didn't know if we go racing, if there would be any FOM uh, uh, funds coming to us. There was too many uncertainties, and uh, it was just decided, the board decided, uh, we lay, uh, lay low now for this year and see what is coming. And then, uh, thankfully, the budget cap came, the, the new Concord agreement with a better for the smaller teams distribution uh, uh, key uh, was uh, introduced. And then Gene decided, yeah, l- l- let's continue, you know. But uh, uh, I mean, uh, I had to make some commitments that I, w- that I will find some uh, uh, additional sponsorship to, uh, to, to his funding. 
And uh, say that was the next challenge. The challenge has never stopped for me, you know. But uh, they are all things. Uh, I see them positively because they they they, they make you. Yeah, you have to work hard, but it's 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 positive work for me. A challenge is an opportunity. You know, I I, I learn a lot of things. I learn. Uh, 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 I get to know a lot of new people. I I, I get to learn a lot of new skills. Uh, uh, deal with different situations, difficult ones, and and it just keeps you uh, engaged, keeps you uh, challenged, keeps you busy. I, I don't mind that. I mean, sometimes I think why actually I do all this, you know. I, I, but. I think it's 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 mainly the passion for motorsport and the challenges. I think it's a mix of that, just a business challenge and and the lo- and the love for for what I'm doing because I still like I still like going racing. So when you look back now at, at the journey, I guess you've been on not just this team, but that you've been on to get to this stage. Where does where jumps out at you where you think if that hadn't happened or had happened, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have my own team. This wouldn't have happened. I don't know. But then, if Nicky wouldn't have called me, I wouldn't be in Formula One. You never know uh, 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 what happened. I, I got my first job in motorsport in '86 out of the blue. I, I have no uh, at the time I had no connection to any motorsport. I, I just I just applied for a job because I wanted to do it. Got it. So I think it all started there. I would say you know because where I come from, there is no motorsport. It's not the, and uh, my family wasn't into motorsport. I had no. I just I, I liked it. That was the only thing I did and. Uh, uh, I just said, okay, uh, I tried to do this, but uh, and and uh, moved from uh, from Italy to Belgium to do this job. So I think it all started there. But as you say, there's always steps. If if this wouldn't have happened, and there was always opportunities given, and I and I picked them up. You know, there were challenges as well because maybe some people would have said, oh, I'm not going to do this. This is too risky. I I I, I don't think uh, I'm afraid of ri- of taking risks in life. You know. Do you think that's been the key for you to get where you're at? I think so. Uh, being open to do things and not not afraid of things. Well, it's been great to watch you take those risks and to see how you've managed to navigate your way through different teams, different sports, and then your own team. And um, and congratulations on on what you've built and what you're trying to continue to do. So good to look forward to seeing what comes next for you, <laughs> for Haas. And um, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.